What's going on, everybody? It's Joe Martucci at the Press of Atlantic City. Welcome to the Something in the Air podcast. It is the middle of summer, and for this episode, we're with somebody who pretty much lives summer all year round. We're with Matt Lanza, who now lives in Houston, but for much of his growing up childhood, he was in Summer's Point. He is the managing editor for Space City Weather, which is pretty similar to what I do here at the press. He's writing uh, articles. He's very active on social media, working in the digital space, working in media as well. So we kind of do a lot of the same things. He's a Rutgers grad too, which I am. So we get along there. Actually, uh, he is huge on social media, specifically on Twitter. Uh, so if you're in the weather world, you may know Matt already, but was really happy to be with him, talk with him about his life. He went from New, uh, New Jersey to New York, to LA, to Houston. So he's been around the country. Uh, but he always uh, calls Summer's Point and the Jersey Shore home. So without further ado, let's turn it over to Matt Lanza. Okay, and we're here with Summer's Point native, Rutgers meteorology grad, now meteorologist for Chenier Energy, as well as SpaceCityWeather.com, coming to us all the way from Houston, Texas. Matt Lanza, welcome to the show. What's up, Joe? Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, no, great to have you as well. Um, always good to have Rutgers people keep it in the circle uh, for today. So that's always a good thing. And I definitely wanted to uh, chat with you here. And I think a lot of people are going to appreciate this because in similar, in some ways, we kind of do the same thing with you with Space City Weather, me with what I'm doing here, um, and you obviously from South Jersey. So I thought this was a great connection to have. I'll start off with this. It is uh, July when this show is airing. What's the one thing you miss about being at the Jersey Shore, Matt? And what was the last time you were at the Jersey Shore during the summer? <laughs> so, oh boy, the last time I was at the Jersey Shore during the summer was probably 19, 2019. Uh, I think it was there in June. Okay. Um, okay. So not that long ago. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, um, but it feels like forever. Uh, I'm looking forward. We're going back actually uh, this summer. So uh, it's going to be great to, to get back there. Um, probably missed the most uh, about the shore is, is the boardwalk pizza, to be quite honest. I mean, the pizza here in Houston, you can get some good food. There's great food in Houston. Houston's an amazing food city. But the pizza options, it's just not the same. It's just mm. not the same. So I am, right. a, I am a pizza guy, and yeah, I miss it. Okay. Are you going to throw out a spot that Matt will usually right. go to when he's back? Wasn't sure, but I'm team Manco and Manco, and I have been since I was a little kid all the way. Um, I just love it. I, it's, it. It's just great. Love it. Let's talk about um, Space City Weather. It is uh, at spacecityweather.com. It yep. is a, I mean, it's covering Houston area. You guys are doing blogs. You know, obviously ve you're very active on social media and very popular on social media, I could say as well. In fact, you're so popular, Matt, you have your own day named after you in the city of Houston. It is Space City Weather Day on June 8th. So congratulations to that. I know that uh, was just announced to you. But just tell me like what you're doing and, you know, how you see this kind of segment of meteorology, which isn't your traditional, you know, when you think about media and meteorology, you're thinking about, you know, someone on television, just how that has expanded and where you kind of see it going in the future. 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, so Space City Weather started, so I work with uh, a gentleman named Eric Berger, um, and he's he's oversees the whole operation. And, um, you know, basically he used to work for the Houston Chronicle, uh, writing about science and space and all that. And um, he uh, left the Houston Chronicle, uh, but before he did, he was looking for some help to kind of to do his weather uh, posts there. He had built a little bit of a following on weather information. Um, you know, from the Chronicle, uh, Chronicles of the Houston Chronicles is equivalent to the, the press of Atlantic City here in Houston. Um, and uh, he, when he left, he had this following of people, but he was like, we really should probably do something. And he asked, you know, do you want to start our own independent site to do weather stuff and, you know, just see where it goes? Um, so I was like, yeah, sure. You know, that'd be, that'd be fine. Let's try it and see what happens. And it worked out well. We started this in 2015, I believe. Um, and uh, you know, we got through one flood in 2016 and then we had Hurricane Harvey in 2017. And that was sort of the game changer. Our whole philosophy was kind of built on um, not hyping weather. So we're, we're going to tell you what you need to know. We're going to tell you when you need to know, but we're not going to overdo it. We're not going to you know, get too dramatic. We're not going to go crazy with, with how uh, you know, significant the storm's going to be when it's just going to be a rainstorm. It rains a lot in Houston, right? And it can flood from time to time when it rains hard. Um, but we don't want to waste our energy on that. We want to focus on you know when you need to actually start making preparations for significant flooding and or a hurricane or something like that or a freeze, you know whatever uh, you know element we have down here in Texas that gets thrown at us. Um, and so we've tried to differentiate ourselves in that regard. But I mean, essentially, we are doing the same thing. It's just a different format. You know, some people like to consume their their weather on the TV still, but other people. Uh, would prefer reading. And that's sort of the, the audience that we're targeting. And that I think that uh, we do a pretty good job with is, is writing these forecast discussions and elaborating on things in ways that you can't on television and things like that, kind of similar to what you do. And I think it really does hit with people, especially in markets like this, where there's just a lot of weather is a big deal. Um, and, you know, you can sort of set yourself apart from other people in the market, you know, maybe by, by doing what you do. Yeah, and that was going to kind of lead into my next question, which is, you know, the media weather market, you know, in some ways you could say it is saturated because of social media, right? You can always have your amateur meteorologist or high school meteorologist who develop large followings. And for the most part, they're doing a good job, but may not have, you know, necessarily the training or the, the skills, you know, to go forward. But in other ways, it's not because, you know, you really are, you know, Space City Weather, the only place where you're probably going for consistent written information about the weather. And my question is like, you know, do you, what's your like biggest strength you think compared to, you know, your competitors in the region? And what's one thing you would like to do more of with Space City Weather to get the word out to people, you know, in Houston, and you know, parts of what, is it Southeastern Texas? What is it, Matt? South Texas? Southeastern yep, Texas? We are, yeah, we are Southeast Texas. Um, gotcha. So, yeah, so I think the strength that we have is that um, we have that we have that ability to go off on whatever we want. We're not, um, you know, we, we have one sponsor for our site, and that's really the only person, the only um, uh, entity that we have to, to worry about. And even they're very hands off. They, they don't uh, tell us what we can and can't do. We do what we want to do. Um, you know, nobody says anything to us about that. So we um, we try to to uh, go into as much detail as possible um, and explain what we know, what we don't know, what the scenarios are, why we think it's important to pay attention, why we don't think it's important. You know, all the scenarios we have, you know, we, we have more than three minutes to be able to do that. So I feel that, that that's one of the real strengths and advantages of, of being able to do 
uh, you know, kind of uh, the way that, that we do it. And I think one of the things that it also does is it gives us freedom to explore new ways of maybe uh, how we communicate information. So for example, after Hurricane Harvey, we realized that, that people in this area were very um, tense anytime it rained. I guess it's probably the most delicate word I could use, uh, myself being one of them. Um, you know, everybody was afraid of flooding and everybody was afraid that this was going to be the next that. Um, and so what we had to do was kind of rein people's expectations in. And what we created was a flood scale. Basically, we went back, we looked at historical storms and how much flooding they caused in the Houston area. And we came up with a one to five scale. And now anytime before we have, uh, you know, a significant rain event, um, something more than just daily thunderstorms that are going to you know, cause some localized flooding or something, um, we will say, hey, this is a level, we think this is going to be a level one flood with potential to go into, you know, two or three or whatever. But basically what we want to do is manage people's expectations to let them know right off this is not going to be another Harvey. This is not going to be another Allison. This is not going to be another tax day, whatever, uh, you know, storm flood we've had here that you want to talk mm. about and, you know, just kind of helping, um, you know, along those lines. And I think it's really helped to, um, to improve how we communicate and what we do. And I'm hoping in the future that we can continue to do that, but start to get into maybe more underserved communities that don't necessarily, wouldn't necessarily consider using, um, us as, a, as an option because those communities are the ones that flood worse down here as you know it's always that right where they're always the hardest hit communities wherever you are and so the, those are the people that we really should be trying to reach a little bit harder so i'm hoping that we can you know maybe do that as time goes on matt it sounds like there's a lot of similarities between where you grew up in summer's point southeastern new jersey you know and houston flooding obviously is on the tops of everybody's minds here if you live along or near the coast in south jersey from the title flooding you of course you know houston being you know near the uh, gulf of mexico and like you just said flooding's an issue as well tropical concerns admittedly you know we don't get the big tropical systems like you do but it's still something we talk about often and of course for distinct seasons you know is there anything specific you think you took from your days hanging out in summer's point that you could bring over to space city weather you think you have brought over yeah, I think that it's it's an appreciation that you know in South Jersey, um, you know the weather the weather it's a weather's a big deal everywhere, right? But I feel like certain communities have sort of a history with weather, and you know one of the books I have that um, that, that I've always really loved is is the book Great Storms of the Jersey Shore, and it's you know it's basically a coffee table book, but it's a history book too, and it explains yep. all the different storms of the past, um, you know the nor'easters and the hurricanes. Um, and I was a huge nor'easter uh, person growing up. You know, I just loved those storms. I thought they were just the most fascinating things. Always disappointed when it rained instead of snowed. But um, you know, they were they were just the, to me the coolest storms. And uh, you know, I sort of developed an appreciation that those have the ability to also cause significant harm and significant damage. Um, and and carrying that and understanding that 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 it's not just, you know, this is not just a big weather event that's causing a lot of damage. I mean, this is, this is, these are weather events that can impact people's lives and their livelihoods and uh, a place, you know, like the Jersey shore, that's you know very heavily uh, driven by summer tourism. Uh, and the weather has a big impact on that and things like, you know, all those things kind of stuck with me and allowed me to kind of understand that, you know, it's not, you're not just forecasting weather, you're forecasting weather for people and for people's livelihoods. And you're trying to help them make the best decisions that they can make to help themselves uh, their businesses, whatever, their communities, uh, you know, to get through significant weather events. And I think we, there's a lot of that now in Houston, especially after the last five or six years where we've had significant floods. 
that, you know, it goes beyond any sort of, it's just another storm. It's just a weather event. It is an event that impacts a lot of people and can cause a lot of problems. So uh, I thought those were good lessons to take with me. And let's give a shout out to uh, Larry, Margaret, and Scott, who uh, wrote the book, Great Storms of the Jersey Shore. I've read it as well. It is. Uh, it used to be on my coffee table. Now it's not. But it's a really in-depth look. And actually, what I thought was interesting, there's a lot of Long Beach Island focus, which I feel like you don't see too much of. Um, so that was actually pretty interesting as well. Scott um, lives in LBI, or at least is near LBI. So I know he yeah. focuses there a lot. Um, you know, we, we have a minute left on this part of segment, uh, Matt. But I, I do want to ask you, um sandy right um where were you I, I know you weren't here unless i'm mistaken but you know just from an outsider kind of an insider outsider's perspective you're in summer's point most of your life you hear about these storms but now it actually came you know what were just overall thoughts on in about 30 or 45 seconds yeah the first thing was that this was the storm that i drew up on paper as a kid that was never supposed to happen um you know you always like come up with these dramatic you know storm scenarios when you like weather and and that was sandy and it was just incredible to witness i was um at that point i moved to houston so i was here in houston i was working for deutsche bank and i was helping them manage their new york office and get all the crisis people where they needed to be uh keep people out of harm's way try to keep our facilities clean but it was a lot of communicating with my parents and telling them what to expect and you know how bad it was going to be and it was just remarkable just the amount of of impact and damage that it caused and uh you know that was that was incredible for me to witness even from afar great all right well hey Everybody, uh, thanks for listening so far. We have Matt Lanza here. We're going to be back on the other side of the break. We're going to talk more about his life, both in Houston and South Jersey. This is the Something in the Air podcast. All right, we are back. Thank you for listening to the Something in the Air podcast brought to you by the Press of Atlantic City in conjunction with Stockton University. Joined with us, Matt Lanza, Summers Point native, now lives in Houston. He is the managing editor for Space City Weather, also works for Chenier. Did I say that right, Matt? Chenier yeah. Energy? I yeah, got but- it. All right, cool. Um, you know, I have to hop back to the uh, first part of the segment here. You said you uh, feared it was a hurricane that you drew up when you were a kid and actually happened. Yeah. So I don't know many meteorologists that did that because i did that when i was a kid too and i just kind of thought everybody did it and then i realized maybe it was just me but now i realize it wasn't just me you did that as well yeah yeah it was uh you know you just you would always just like draw the map and then this is the track of the storm like this is going to be it you know this is this is how we get hit and it was it was just wild and um you know one of the things i did as a, as a t- teenager my parents got me a t-shirt that actually had a tracking map on the back of it and you could r- draw the the tracks of the storms you know the latitude and the longitude and the permanent marker right. you literally wear the hurricane season on you know, it was it was incredibly geeky but w- wonderful man you were way too cool in high school man <laughs> it was yeah yeah for sure yeah we'll go with that <laughs> you know i i used to have we used to have this old it was like map of the united states on like a you know just piece of paper was just outlined in black and then with the states and then what i did was i took another piece of blank paper taped it to the other side and then i would draw like europe and africa on the one side with like the little island you know like the uh like cuba and hispaniola and everything and then i would draw the little dots for like every six hour hurricane advisory and make all these different storms and yes they were mostly dangerous storms that hit new jersey but 
it was just incredible. Yeah, it was. It was. I don't even know. Like that was just a way to pass time, I guess. Yeah, it's just the thing. I guess when you're a weather weather geek, you know, you, you know for so long. A lot of us know for so long. That's what we want to do and everything. And so, I, I one thing I remember was when. So I was, I you know, I'm a zennial, right? So I was the person that grew up without the computer, and then got the computer. You know, when I was a teenager. Yeah. And so Windows 3.1, there was a program called Windstorm, and you could plot each individual track and it would show up on a map and, and basically animate for you across. And this was like the most wow. incredible thing to see as, as someone. Yeah. It was incredible. Like at that point in time, you're just like, this is crazy. Uh, and I'll never forget that. I loved, I still love that, that program. It was just one of my favorites. It was just so basic, simple and wonderful. Do you still use it? No. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so like many meteorologists, I say it all the time when we do talks, you know, when I'm doing different interviews and stuff, usually you're the only person you know that wanted to be a meteorologist. Was that the same for you in Summers Point? What was it like going to Rutgers and now you're with, you know, whatever, a couple dozen meteorologists? Yeah, it was pretty awesome. And so for the most part, I, I was the only person I knew um, at the time. And, um, you know, for me, it was Hurricane Gloria that got me into it. Um, it was probably a combination of things, but Gloria was the tipping point. And, you know, we took my grandmother, she lived in Atlantic City, and we brought her to the mainland and, uh, you know, got her out into shelter, uh, you know, with that storm. And that was, you know, just a wild, I don't remember details. I just remember sort of vagaries about it, but it was really cool. And so, you know, as far as I knew in high school or through high school, I was the only person that really wanted to be a meteorologist. There were other people that were interested in weather, but nobody was really going to, to, to significantly pursue it. Um, you know, and they, that was the, that was the plan for their career that I knew of. Uh, but as it turns out, Mainland Regional High School uh, has at least three other meteorologists that have graduated from there. So for per capita basis, it's pretty, inc pretty incredible. That's pretty high. Yeah. yeah. It, who, it was, who were they? Would it be anybody that uh, the people around here would know? So uh, probably not. Well, some people might know uh, Joe Bastardi actually went to, to Mainland Regional High School. And, you know, he's, for, for those that may not know, um, you know, uh, a very big personality in the weather uh, space, to yeah. say the least. Um, I think he, uh, I would say most people probably recognize him from AccuWeather back in the day. I know I did when I was growing up, you know, in the 2000s watching his videos. Now he is uh, on his own. Uh, yeah, and it, I believe he was he was a mainland. I think he graduated. I know he attended, but I think he graduated from mainland. Um, and there were a couple others, um, late 90s, early 2000s that uh, most people probably wouldn't recognize, but they're off doing um, different things right now that are uh, pretty interesting. Uh, one, one is in wind energy and one works uh, actually sort of uh, uh, has touched on the commodity space a little bit um, for energy weather stuff too. So pretty neat. Gotcha. So you're at Rutgers, you know, 2000, 2004. Um, I think you were treasurer of the Meteorology Club. I was, I was also on an e-board for Meteorology Club back in the day. Uh, I did, I wasn't the treasurer, but I spent the money on usually on pizza for the uh, club events. Um, tell me, just, just kind of tell me what your time at Rutgers was like. Um, and our times were a little different. We're gonna get a little in the weeds with the with the Rutgers stuff, but Rutgers was a little more of a divided place back when you were there as opposed to when I was there. I think. When I first started, really, that's when all like like Bush campus and Livingston campus and college have like all kind of merged together. So we might have had slightly different experiences, but I'm sure we could talk about bus rides and Cook Campus and the farm and all that stuff. The double E. Is, uh, the double E. Yeah, yeah, of course. Can't, never yeah. forget the double E. Many good times uh, going down George Street. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Rutgers was fantastic. Uh, nothing but good things to say about the experience there. Um, 
uh, we had some really cool people um, in, in in our class as classmates that you know I still talk to to this day frequently, um, and you know they're off doing real interesting uh, real interesting things elsewhere in the field, National Weather Service, energy space, reinsurance, um, all these different things that are just kind of really cool. Um, we had a pretty good class. And, but the, the experience is great. The campuses, yeah, they were definitely divided. You definitely had your own, uh, your own um, identity for uh, whatever campus you were on. And so for us, it was Cook. And, you know, which I, I don't know if at that point it had become SEBS, School of Environmental and Biological Science. Um, but it, it will always be Cook, uh, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody, I, I have a SEBS degree. Uh, that was the first year when I first started in 09, that's when we switched on over. But yeah, I mean, you know, you're, everybody calls it cook. They still got the cook college t-shirts. It's still act field day, not Rutgers day, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was wonderful. I love the cook campus. It's just a great place to, to go because it, to me, it felt like it was a good transition out of high school because it wasn't so big that it was overwhelming, but it was part of this gigantic university. So you kind of got the best of both worlds where you're in a bigger place, but you weren't completely overwhelmed yet. You had access to, you know, whatever you needed um, as far as a, as a big university goes. And um, uh, it was just, it was, it was a great time. And yeah, the, the meteorology club is a lot of fun. We brought in some speakers. Uh, I think we had Paul Kosin in uh, at one point we had, Oh, who else? Did we really? have? Brian, Brian Norcross come up to give a talk as well. Um, he was, he worked hurricane Andrew down in Miami. Um, yeah, so we had some real interesting, we were, we were pretty active, you know, not just our class, but, you know, the classes that were around us were pretty active with our club and, and bringing in people and trying to do stuff. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was my class treasurer in high school and I thought that, that was the most you know, logical next step to, to, to <laughs> the treasurer of the Met club. So were you guys turning a profit? Oh, always, always. Of course, there you, <laughs> you need a treasurer, Met metric guy. <laughs> so so after Rutgers, um, yeah, you did, you went into broadcast, I believe, directly out of uh, Rutgers. And, you know, we should say, because, you know, again, this is something I say, you know, I do talk. It's actually a minority of people who graduate with a meteorology degree who go into media. Uh, I think it's some, you might even know, but it's something as low as like 20% or something like that. But anyway, you did go, uh, and actually, you were pretty lucky because a lot of times your first job in television is taking you far and wide, but you were actually just one state north. You were in upstate New York. Yeah, I, I applied to a whole bunch of jobs. I was willing to do that and go go far and wide and do whatever I had to do. But um, yeah, I wanted to give the broadcasting thing a try and see what happened. And so I did actually get offered uh, to work part. It was a part-time job but in Syracuse. And that was kind of one of the big keys. It's like, okay, do I want to take a part-time job and move somewhere? Well, not that far away. So you know, we'll give it a try and see what happens. And I worked at a Barnes and Noble to supplement, uh, you know, the income for the, for the other 20 hours a week. Um, but it was a great experience. And so I worked for uh, uh, WSYR TV, which at the time was known as WIXT in Syracuse. Um, and, you know, that was my first real experience with Lake Effect Snow. They had their own Doppler radar. The station had its own radar because the uh, NWS radars uh, sometimes don't sample the, the the lake effect snow coming off of Lake Ontario very well because the beam goes too high into the the atmosphere and you know lake effect snow is very shallow. Um, so you know that was just a real eye opening experience because I you know first of all growing up in South Jersey you, you're always on the wrong side of the rain snow line usually although yeah. I want to say in the last ten years or so that's changed a little bit I feel like it has um, but you know up there it's for just, the last two Matt. Yeah. Before the last two, before the last two, yes, then the last two have just been nothing. <laughs> just so disappointing. Uh, Very disappointing. I can't tell you how many disappointing days I had as a kid. Um, <laughs> it's, but for the weather, not for other reasons. It's, yeah. Right, right. Of course, <laughs> professionally speaking. 
but it, it was a great experience and working in, in Syracuse and just kind of getting to know that uh, with some great people, you know, uh, Dave Longley, who was the uh, morning meteorologist in Syracuse uh, at that station, who now is assistant news director there, just uh, the, the right person that I needed to have as a mentor. Because I, one thing I lacked in college was a really good mentor, and he was the right person for that. And he kind of walked me through and explained, this is what people care about. This is what they don't care about. And, uh, you know, really gave me a good sense of how to go about that and also how to forecast a little better too, which was great. Gotcha. And then, so you were in Syracuse and then you went to Utica. So you actually took a short jump, you know, right after uh, Syracuse. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was such a great opportunity. It was a full-time job that opened up in Utica. It was 40 miles from Syracuse. I was like, I have to go for this It's a weekend job. Like I, this is, this is, I'm a candidate for this position. So I I went as far as to to actually drive my tape to, to Utica and and basically physically hand it to the news director um, and, and, and let them, uh, let them have at it. And I did a screen test there and they were good with it and uh, offered me the job and I took it without hesitation uh, to, to get full time because while I love Syracuse and this, the people were great where I was at, there was just not going to be any opportunity for advancement. I didn't see the part time becoming a full time at any point, um, you know. So I wanted a full time job and got more like effect snow uh, in the Mohawk Valley, uh, Central New York, and um, it was uh, again a great experience. We had some pretty incredible uh, lake effect storms while I was out there. At, you know, I'll never forget the winter of 2007. We had. Uh, a, about a 10-day period of lake effect snow at the end of January and beginning of February that dumped over 100 inches of snow uh, in some parts of uh, the, the northwest part of our viewing area. And then it was followed up by a Valentine's Day blizzard where we got close to three feet of snow in Utica. And then we got another foot and a half of lake effect on top of that two days later. So it was just... At that point, I think I had had enough snow for a while. Um, and yeah, it was it was just incredible to witness. Jeez, Matt, I think you saw more snow in that one winter than you did in your whole life in South Jersey. Probably true, actually. <laughs> oh, my God. So it scared you away because you went all the way to uh, Los Angeles after that. You were like, I'm done with this. I can't I can't deal with snow anymore. <laughs> so one of my friends from Rutgers actually worked in the energy industry. and He was in Baltimore and um, I saw what he was doing. I was like, this is pretty cool. You know, like I, I, at that point, I got a little frustrated with, you know, I wanted to kind of move on to like a Buffalo or an Albany, some other uh, TV market that was a little bit bigger and a little bit more challenging. Uh, it just wasn't happening. So I mean, my impatience kind of kicked in. I'm like, all right, I'm done. Um, but uh, he worked in energy, saw what he did, loved it. And so I started applying to energy jobs and actually did so uh, for about a year and a half. And then uh, it took a while uh, and then ended up moving to to California in 2009, uh, in the middle of winter, which was quite a change. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Hung out in LA for two years, forecasting for uh, Southern California Edison. Um, which was a whole different uh, experience, Santa Ana winds, terrain, all these things that I just really hadn't gotten you know, real experience with in the East. Uh, so it really made for a good challenge. Sure. And then uh, we have about another minute and a half left, but just tell us what you do at, at Chenier Energy and you know, how that impacts like the everyday person, because I think people might not always think about energy and meteorology, but it's a very, I would say, a pretty hot field in weather. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. It's um, so basically, I forecast weather uh, for traders um, in in the uh, natural gas space, and uh, basically give them information. And we also have a couple of assets that we we, we uh, forecast around that are on the Gulf Coast. So I forecast weather for how the you know wind and fog and hurricanes and thunder storms are going to impact those facilities uh, on a day to day basis. So you know, it helps keep people safe. Um, it helps keep people informed. It helps make our our traders give. Uh, the most, um, the best information to make the best decision they can, uh, the most economical decision they can uh, for buying and selling. Um, and, you know, I think from 
a real at a real high level your, at your local utility. Um, you know, I don't know if, if this exists up there, but some utilities that are larger have meteorologists on staff that will help them make decisions on whether to buy or sell, you know, based on, uh, you know, what the weather forecast is. And that can have a big impact on what, what you end up paying for, for electricity over time. Uh, because if you have a really bad forecast and really um, uh, bad information, um, you're not going to make a good economical decision based on a big weather event. And you may be paying more for electricity and that gets passed down to the rate payer. So uh, it's gotcha. kind of a, a big deal. It's all like very interesting. And I, one of these days I got to do an in-depth interview, maybe with you, you know, about <laughs> this, because it does impact people very distinctly. And we just, you know, lot, I would say a lot of people and myself just aren't aware of it, but madam, fortunately we are out of time here. So we're going to have to wrap it up, but it was great chatting with you. It was great seeing you. Yeah. Um, even if on zoom, I'm sure I'm sure I'll catch you at some point. If you're coming down the shore this, this year, let me know. I can you know, pop on by and say hi. Yeah. Um, but uh, we're going to have to wrap it up there, Matt. Um, you want to just give everybody a, a plug where they can find Space City Weather? Yeah, sure. Uh, go to uh, spacecityweather.com if you want to find out what's happening in the Houston area. And uh, we talk, we do a tropical update every week as well, uh, just on the broader tropics. So if you're interested in that, you may want to check that out too. And uh, I am at Matt Lanza on Twitter. And uh, you can also find us at, at SpaceCityWX as well. And we're on Facebook. Beautiful. Great. All right, Matt, thanks so much. We appreciate it. This is the latest Something in the Air podcast. We will be back with you. New episode, first Wednesday of August. We're going to recap the month of July with New Jersey State Climatologist and my birthday buddy, Dr. Dave Robinson. Till then, take care, stay safe, and we'll be back with you soon.